podcast. Cody McConnor Holiday here. Basketball version of Guy Talk. Guy Talk. Before we get into that, Connor, I will want to thank you for keeping my house up and my puppy under control over there this last weekend. Much control to that little fucking hellion. That thing. She thinks she's a fucking rhinoceros. I swear, she would. She just headbutts everything. Yes, she is a pit. She's a deaf pit. We rescued. Like she, shout out to and myself. She's she. I don't think like giant pit knows. No, she's runt, a runt. Yeah, she's but a runt. Jacked. Yeah, she is forty pounds of literally just solid testosterone. Even though she's a woman. Yeah. And she's jacked. She's crazy. But I love her. Oh yeah, I love her too. She. She's getting a lot better at, uh, um, her sign language. Yeah, a little bit. Like, oh, I, she's also deaf. I don't know if I said that. I know I said yeah, she you was said deaf. rescued, but she's also getting a hell of a lot better at fetch. I was so like, you had the tennis ball out there, and I was throwing it for her, and I was so like, obviously, I have the button in there to like Vibrator. vibrate or shock her if she starts running away, but she brought it back. She. Very reluctant to give it up. Oh, yeah. But she's she, not giving that oh, shit up. Dude, she was having a blast just running after it. And if there is any, like, crazy dog people that come out with me for having a shot collar, she's deaf. If she runs in the road and there's a car coming, she's getting shocked. I want my dog to live. Yes. So do not no, come out with that crap. The shock button rarely gets used. Yes. I've used it maybe, like, three times she respond, in six months. Like, when you vibrate her, she responds very quick. Yes, because if you yell, she has zero clue what's going on. Yeah, I got uh, so used to my dog at home that when she was by your door whimpering, like hoping you guys were in there, I just yelled, I was just like, gee, come here. And then I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? Dude, I've had this dog for a year and a half and I still like yell at her. It's just natural instinct. It is. But I will say for this guy talk episode, I don't know if I... If I think that I was a little more harsh than you on some guys, but I might have been, and I want you to always feel free to interject in any objections oh, to some of these. I will. Because there's some of these that I know that I might be premature on or guys that I've just gave up on too early. And I shall call you a stooge for it. So we got six conferences now. This is different than, obviously, college football where we have the Big East. So we're going to start in the ACC. I have four guys that I think this team has nailed their guy. The top one, honestly, is Jim Laranega for yeah, Miami. And, That's no doubt. Yeah, and just got the extension to, I think, 2028. Which is wild, because he is getting up there in age. Yeah, granted, like, I don't know if he'll fully see the contract, but as far as, like, what he's done the last two years, an Elite Eight, and then a Final Four, like, yeah, that's slam dunk. Yeah, and he's seems like he's having a lot of fun with the job, too. Oh, so. God, yes. I think he might actually coach up until then. Mm -hmm. But that's a guy whose job security is basically, hey, you're coaching until you're done. Um, Kevin Keats from NC State. He's won 20 games four of his five years. And NC State, I know they have a national title, is a very tough job when you have Duke and North Carolina 15 minutes from each other in your state, and that's a basketball-ridden state full of high school prospects. I think he's done a fairly good, fairly good job. He's made the tournament four of the five years as well, and I think his job is pretty safe here. Yeah, I I definitely think he may be the right guy. It's just like 
in the ACC for all those years. It was just so tough. And like you said, being where you're at, like you're you're not the middle child. You're the third child. You're the baby child. You're the redheaded stepchild. Basically. Or no, I guess you'd be the because isn't it the oldest child the one that gets forgotten the most? I don't know. I'm an only child, so. Um, I think it's the middle child because. Oh yeah, the middle my child. dad definitely favored my brother and my sister over me. Want to talk about it? <laughs> I, I, we'll <laughs> save that for our other podcast. Um, but yeah, I mean it is. Tough sledding. They've had some very good teams at times. Like, like tough matchup, obviously, round one this year against Creighton. A team that we literally put, I think we might have put them in the final four. We might have been Elite Eight. Elite Eight. Yeah. Because I think we had them losing to Bama. Yeah. But, yeah, that was a tough matchup. If they were playing anybody else, like, they could have been a favorable matchup. But, I mean... Ball, Big Hulk just absolutely <laughs> stopped Burns. Can't wait for him next year. Yeah. Um, number three, I put Brad Bromwell from Clemson. He's been there 11 oh. years. I know. He's been there. Here's my defense. He's been here 11 years. He's made the tournament four times. And I just don't know if Clemson fans really care. And I think he's done a good job. If you get him there like once every three years, I think they're happy. Because that is a very tough job and a very undesirable job for a college person. If you want to say it's time to talk a little bit and I need to see a little bit more, I would get it. But I think that's a pretty decent hire. So here's my biggest issue. And it it's kind of hard to do this based off of one thing. The collapse this year was bad. You were number one in the ACC for how long, and you didn't even make the NCAA tournament. That was like, I I don't know what it was, what their record was, but obviously like rankings showed it because they were undefeated yet still like in the twenties as far as their ranking, because we kind of saw through it. They had a cupcake schedule to begin the season. And then once they got into ACC play, it was like, oh, they're not as good as we thought. Just that collapse this season just sticks with me too much. Yeah, there's a lot of these that are going to be on here. It's like the last season, it really was hard for me to forget. But And, the, and like coming from the outside of college basketball standpoint, like my knowledge of college basketball is getting better year in and year out. But like... Thinking back, like, if you would have told me Clemson, how, how many times did you say that they made the tournament? It was four times in the last 11 years. Yeah, it was 11 years he was there. Yeah, I can't remember any of that. Well, I'll tell you, I remember a distinct one. Because I had a parlay that was going to cash for $4,000 on a $5 bet. That included, like, the Warriors with Kevin Durant losing to the Kings and UMBC being the first 16 seed to beat Virginia. All Clemson, had, all New Mexico State had to do was beat Clemson, and Clemson beat them. So that's a distinct one that I'll never leave my mind. Okay. But besides that, this one I think is very controversial. I'm already anointing John Shire as the guy. I think he's a terrific recruiter. He's worked under K for four years. And I think no, I think a Duke program kind of runs itself, which from getting talent standpoint, and every transfer wants to transfer there. Granted, Ertis, you dead, did not. 
ended up committing there because of some academic things, and I think Duke is working to kind of clean that up a little bit. But I think John Shire's a really good coach, and I think he did a really good job this year with a freshman team with, like, one guy that was a junior or higher in Jacob Granderson. And I would pretty much annoy him, the dude, and I don't think Duke would get rid of a Duke guy, like, super quickly. So I'm just going to say – it's too soon. Premature. I, it, I get it. it. But at the same time, I get your stance. My, like, fight back for it was, it is how, like, how much of the Duke shine is because of what Coach K rose them to be. I know Shire was probably recruiting these guys more than Coach K was. But you could also use the defense like Coach K's guys. Mm-hmm. And then the other problem that I have is that Tennessee game. Because I just feel like in that Tennessee game, that was probably the one game that I could say he got outcoached. No, I, I 100% agree. Especially to a guy in the tournament that we'll get to in the SEC that hasn't really shown anything. Exactly. So, I I think you're going to be on the right side of history. I'm just saying right now, I'm not ready to fully jump ship. But I do, th- but I do lean your way. Yeah. I mean, that's 100% understandable and fair. The two soon guys, Aiden Autry from Syracuse, I don't know. I don't know if Syracuse is that good of a job. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. how much was that just Jim behind? Yeah. So it's going to be very interesting to see. But you do have a talent pool that is giant in New York. Damian Sotomayor at Georgia Tech. I think it's an amazing hire, and I think he'll do great. Unfortunately, I, I don't think – I think it's a leapfrog kind of job. So I think Georgia Tech will do very well, and he will end up tr- – but I do think at the time that's a really good hire. And then Micah Shrewsbury at Notre Dame. It's too soon. We don't know, but I think it's a A-plus hire. Mm-hmm. He got Penn State to the tournament, which is super, super hard to do. Um, this category here is I need I want them to prove it to me again. And this is might be a little bit controversial, but I'm putting oh, Tony know. Bennett on there at Virginia. I was prepared for him to be, is it time to have that talk? Or that's where I'm at, honestly, because the style isn't getting like I understand he won a natty, but every other year, what has their tournament been? Absolute disappointment. Well, year before the natty, losing they were to out, NBC, they were out in the first round. You lose your first one seed to lose to a sixteen seed. Granted, now that's happened twice, but still, at that time, it was historic. It was. A historic loss because they were the number one, number one. Mm-hmm. The first overall, and then after that, they lose in the first round. Or wait, I thought, or you're saying after after the, the national title, yes. yeah. They go to the NIT, and then they lose in the first round again. And then this year, yeah. So, like, yeah, I the big thing with Tony Bennett is I want like an adaptation to the pack line, and just stop letting guys. Sh- how do you beat the pack line? You shoot threes. Well, everybody shoot threes now. Yeah. You have to find a variation of your pack line defense that's going to be able to defend all these three-point shooters. And if it can't be done, like maybe maybe that was a flash in the pan. Because also, like, granted, going to the Final Four is a big thing. They lost that Final Four game to Auburn. That was a bullshit call. Mm-hmm. I don't care what anybody yep. says. I know I you have to let the shooter land. That. 
but it was a late, a really late whistle, and I don't know. I don't think they should have won that basketball game. They ended up winning a national title. Also, do you remember the same tournament in the Elite Eight, the game before, Kihei Clark throws a pass to, I can't remember the guy's name, but they make a buzzer beater to send it to overtime to beat Purdue was to go Kyle? to the Final Four. Kyle Guy? No, it was the dude with the blonde hair. Oh, God. I don't remember his name. It's escaping me. But, like, that easily was a game they could have lost to. It was like a team of destiny kind of thing. No, I get it. So I want him to prove it to me again. And the same thing goes for Leonard Hamilton of Florida State. Yeah. Yeah, I'm in agreement there. Missed two straight tournaments. Before then, you were the class of the ACC for three years. But, again, you've missed the tournament the last two years with good recruits. Um, And lastly, Steve Forbes from Wake Forest. He... Before the three seasons before he got there, Wake Forest was thirty-five and fifty-eight. Well, since he's been there, he's forty-nine and twenty-four, but he's yet to make an NCAA tournament. It's like, yes, you got the program relevant, but you're still missing the NCAA tournament. I think he's just trying to find his way. Obviously, he's found a good way to work with using the portal. It helped them out last season. They try. They're trying to harness it again by getting Amani Bates out of the portal. So. I think he's trying to find his way, but I think Wake could be fun next season. I do too, and I think Steve Forbes is a really good coach. I think Wake Forest might just be a tough job, to be honest with you. And then lastly, Jeff Capel. He saved his job this year. If they didn't make the tournament, he was gone. So I'm not just going to completely say you're the guy because you made the tournament one year. I I will say, though, the turnaround from where Pitt was the season before to this season – was very eye-opening because Pitt was a team that the season before we were oh, yeah. we were fading so much, and this year they were one of the best cover teams, and we were riding with them. Yeah. Granted, the one time that you could have rid with them. And I went against them. them. Yeah, and who rode with them? Mr. Holiday. So, yeah, just prove it to me. Prove it to me a couple more times before I'm going to say you're There's somebody that, that you haven't had in this section that I think I'm waiting for. And go ahead. Well, it's time to have the talk here. And I think this is the obvious one. It's Hubert Davis. North I Carolina. Think, I think we need I think he should be in the category I need to see more, but I don't blame you. Is it time to have that talk? It is only his second season. It is. But to go from a nat- playing in the national championship being up 15 br- in the national championship, bringing damn near that whole team back to not even making the tournament is not a good look. It'll be very like this season will will truly tell. Granted, he's bringing back so much of that of the team again with some with some transfers in there. Like they have that high expectations. And, probably, and, and but you did also lose Caleb. But could that be a plus or a minus at the same time? We don't know. I mean, he's got some former five stars coming in there as well, and. But the thing with that kind of killed me with Hubert is the inability to like go to his bench when you had five stars on the bench there. Like Seth Tremble never got in, and I always wondered that when Caleb Blood was literally quitting on the basketball court. Mm-hmm. The only guy on that team that I don't think quit was Baycott. He was playing Absolutely. full. He was going full steam the entire way. Just the reason I put him here is because it is North Carolina. Like if they Valid. miss the tournament again, he's fired. I can I will bet anybody in my life that he will be fired if they miss the NCAA tournament again. That's just how it is in North Carolina. That's probably, in my opinion, the job in college basketball. Yeah. Like the job. 
maybe maybe UCLA, maybe Kentucky. I still think it's the job. No, I, in I, my I, opinion, I, that's I the, think so too. When I think college basketball, North think, Carolina. Yeah, think about all the coaches that they've had that have won there. Yeah. Then Mike Young of uh, Virginia Tech, like they make the tournament like two of every three years. But in my opinion, Virginia Tech's a really good job, and you should be making the tournament like four out of five years, maybe even more than that, like every single year. And he had a really talented team this year, and they failed. I know Hunter Couture was hurt a lot. Mm-hmm. All season, but they were still very talented, and I think they should have made the tournament. I would lean towards like he still needs to prove it to me. Then like well, it's time to have a talk. But a couple more bad seasons, he's probably gone. That'd be my opinion there. And then lastly, Earl Grant from Boston College. It's it's so hard to win at Boston College. I know that. It is. But he's gotten the team a little bit better. But he hasn't really proved anything to me. Like he was really good at Charleston when he coached there, but. Charleston's the class of the CIA. It's so easy to win there. Anybody can win there. So, a couple more bad seasons. It just kind of depends on what Boston College really wants. Bad. And then last category I call two Christmases. Like, it sucks you got to fire the guy after two years, but it, at the end you get two Christmases. Like, if your parents get divorced. And that's easily Kenny Payne of Louisville. Yeah. <laughs> There's yeah. no defense here. Like, no. You're Louisville. I mean... Was no, no, he's gotta go. He that he's not the guy, he's not unless he completely like if Sky Clark comes in there from Illinois, a former five star, and blows up, and somehow they are good. I mean, they brought a top 10 class in. I just I don't think he's a good basketball coach, and I don't really see him. I mean, we all know my opinion as much as I bet against Louisville. It's sad that like Louisville was an auto fade, Louisville. Yes. That's a very, very good job. Yes. All right. Let's Patino go to the Big Ten. would never. Hell no. Big Ten. I'm going to start off with two soon, guys. Just get them out of the way here. Mike Rhodes, Penn State. Very successful at VCU. I think he'll do great at Penn State. It's a tough job, but I would lean towards the upside there. And then Ben Johnson in Minnesota. Again, another really tough job in the Big Ten. But last year was not good. You can't finish like plus 200 in Ken Palm. Even in even if it's in Minnesota, you're a power of six school. You need to be higher than 200. Mike Woodson in Indiana, prove it to me without Trey Saxon Davis. That's valid. The big one. And then Kevin Willard in Maryland made the tournament. That's awesome. It's still your first year. He was good at Seton Hall, but you're gonna have to see more. Now these for sure are the guys in the Big Ten, and I'm. It's kind of hard for me to argue with them. Tom Izzo. Easy. What no, What are we gonna I'm say? Like kidding. I no. have. I have a little skepticism about him in March. I don't like that narrative. Like, he has had some early exits, but he's not going anywhere. No. Matt Painter, Purdue. I want to fight it. I want to fight it. won't blame anybody for fighting with the postseason success. He's made one Elite Eight. He's what never made a Final Four. postseason success? He's made an Elite Eight. That is good. Yeah, but does one Elite Eight rectify all these early exits i i i I just think he's a really really good basketball you literally have had the best player in college basketball for the last two years by he might not have been the most talented player in college basketball but he was the best player in college basketball the last two years he's arguably the hardest guy to defend and they what two first round exits? Were they the first one to lose to St. Peter's or second? No, they made the Sweet Sixteen that year. 
I can't remember. Yeah, Jade, that was a Jade and Ivy team. Okay. That should have definitely beat St. Peter's, but. Yeah, but still, even like this year, like, what the fuck was that? Fairly Dickinson? Yeah. I'm gonna say he's the guy, but if there's a first round exit, no, this year, I, I'm, I'm just like playing devil's advocate here, but man, like, ugh, I don't if, blame if, you. If, if Purdue makes it to the tournament, does exact like replicates this season all over again, regular season success, win the Big Ten, first round exit in the NCAA tournament, he's, I, like, he's not gone. But his seat's going to get hot. I do think his seat would get hot. But at the same time, if you're Purdue, like... what? Uh, yeah, you're where right. Do you what, go? what better can he do? Easy for me, Steve Peichel, Rutgers. Toughest yes. job in the conference. Yes. He's made the tournament two of the last three seasons. He makes this Rutgers scrappy year in, year out. Probably should have made it this year. They were right on the bubble there. So, like, the, that's an easy Probably the run. most disappointing team that they left out. Frank McCaffrey, Iowa. I'm waiting for you to fight on this, but he's been there 11 years. He's won 20 games, eight of the 11 Let's years. Let's see him do it without one of his kids playing. Well, you're going to have to wait another year. Fuck. Um, he, I don't know. He's never made a Sweet 16. So he's never made it to the second weekend, but it is again Iowa. And at least different than Iowa football, he at least plays a fun brand of basketball. They know how to score. <laughs> Like, they let up a lot of points, but they score a lot that of points. That is funny how Iowa football and Iowa basketball are the complete polar oh, opposites yeah. of each other. Iowa football is a snail on a track, and then Iowa basketball is literally, like, all gas, no brakes. Yeah, but it, you're not going to – they're not going to stop shit. Yeah, I don't think that Iowa's moving on from Fran McCaffrey anytime soon. No, I don't soon. think so either. Uh, Brad Underwood at Illinois, before – 20 um the last tournament appearance was 2013 before he got there and he's made the last four NCAA tournaments if it wasn't for covid he would they would have made the tournament so i mean yeah illinois yeah. basketball is better when illinois is good and he's the right guy for the job and they're Absolutely. gonna be good next year yes. okay so this category is he is a guy i don't know if he's the guy but he is a guy fred hoiberg nebraska how much like they're scrappy but, like, how much better are you getting than at Nebraska? Like, he's had them competent. He's made one tournament. They were fun to end the season. They oh, damn near could have made a miracle run to the tournament. But, yeah, it's hard. I know a lot of people think about what Hoiberg was doing at Iowa State and thought he could do it at Nebraska. But it's it's kind of hard to do it at Nebraska. It is very hard to do. It. But I mean, if he if he could somehow get some of that NIL money that's going to the football program to the basketball program, like a little bit more, I think he can make them a scrappy team in the Big Ten. I do too, and I think this team actually has a shot to make the NCAA tournament. If Hoiberg gets fired, there's going to be some lower level school that picks him up immediately in a heartbeat. And then Chris Collins made the tournament this year. Chase Aldige is gone, so the whole team isn't really back from next year. I think they'll still be good. I don't know if they're going to make the tournament, but it's Northwestern. It's it's the same thing with Stanford. It's very hard to win there. It's kind of like the same thing when we were talking about the football program. Like it's hard at Nebraska or at Northwestern because of your academic standards. And exactly. Obviously, they're not 
Northwestern is a school that, like, unlike Colorado, or I even think Georgia Tech made the move, that they changed their academic standards to allow more recruits to be able to go there. Northwestern's not doing it. No, and just listen to this. Like, Northwestern basketball has been a program since 1904. Granted, the NCAA tournament wasn't around in 1904, but they've made the NCAA tournament twice, and he has gotten you there both times. I don't know how much better you're getting at Northwestern. So I think I would lean more towards him being the actual guy, but would it shock you if Northwestern misses the next 10 tournaments? Probably not. Honestly, it probably wouldn't. All right, Connor, is it time to have that talk? Juwan Howard. Oh, yes, absolutely time to have that talk. I honestly, honestly, I'm surprised that you had him here. Uh, I don't know. I I lean more that it's really not time to have the talk. But, I mean, your best player transferred out. You're... And it's so hard to do this just talking about how next season's outlook looks. But you brought in semi-big transfer in Caleb, and then he leaves. That wasn't exactly his fault because, again, it was the academic standards. Oh, I forgot about that. That's right. Um, But still, even like your next best player was probably your son, and he's in the draft. And then their next best player is also gone. He also entered the draft when he might not be over. So this could be a transitional year for Michigan, but look, they made here's it. here's the thing: is Michigan is so about a Michigan guy. It's the same thing with Harbaugh. I think they may have learned their lesson with Harbaugh that it's that we're gonna wait it out. But also, how much longer can you wait it out before it all goes to shit? But this is also kind of a prediction of how it's going to turn out because before they made the Elite Eight in 2021, 2022, they made the Sweet 16. Granted, they were an 11 seed, so kind of made a little bit of a run. And then they missed the tournament this year. But this Michigan team is very talented and I think should have been an NCAA tournament team with Hunter Dickinson. And I just don't know if he's really like an X's and O's coach. There were some times where. The ball was just not going to Hunter Dickinson, who is clearly your best player, and your son's out there shooting like contested threes when Dickinson's literally got a seal in the post. And that's just something that is concerning to me. Just want to give a quick shout out to uh, TCU baseball for beating Arkansas and scoring more football or more points than their football team <laughs> did in the national, national championships. Championship. Twelve to four. That's what that score ended up being. Nice. Nice, good for TCU. So yeah, they hit the over for me, so I'm proud of that. And the parlay still alive. Also, our boys are playing now. Awesome. Go Coastal, baby. Go Coastal. All right, this one's going to be close to your heart. Is it time for Chris Holman to have that talk? I mean, I think the talk's already started happening, at least with the fan base. I honestly don't know because Gene, as the athletic director, he, he, he'll give his coaches a lot of opportunities to save their job. So, if I'm really projecting, if it's two more bad seasons, Holtman's gone. If he has a bad season this year, I don't know. It's so hard because they were so bad last season until the absolute end. 
and they just kept rattling off wins for a second that it looked like they were about to beat Purdue. And like that's the fucked up thing is last season. They were looking good to begin the season. Had that game against Purdue at home where they were winning, ended up losing it, and then it all spiraled out of control. He's got some talent. This is still a young team. Unfortunately, we're not getting any NBA or no NBA exits. Good luck, Bryce. Or and Bruce. suing. Bru- wait. Bryce. Ah. Bruce is back. Bruce is back. God damn it. I, fuck, I fucked that up so much this year. But Bruce was looking good. Yes. Ro- Roddy Gale was looking good. Okpara was looking good. You had key dealing with injuries all season. Jameson I mean, Battle coming in from Minnesota. Yeah, I mean, we've seen him find some hits in the portal. Your biggest hit last year, you were hoping was Tanner Holden, but just not a. It just, I guy. just think the jump was too much for Tanner. In a loaded backcourt as well. Exactly. So, I think that. I think he'll end up saving his job this season, if I'm really guessing. But even if he doesn't, I think it would be the season after that we're talking about him being on the hot seat. Look, he's made the tournament four or five years. He's just never made the second weekend. And he's had some pretty talented teams. But also, probably probably his best team was the COVID year team. It was. And it's unfortunate because they could probably made a run. But that team that was a two seed was very good too. No, that I lost know. to a fifteen. I, shut up. Um, yeah, I get that. The year before COVID, you ran into Gonzaga. Yeah, it, it's tough, but I mean, they're probably going to be a bubble team again this year. So, oh damn, no tournament, no tournament appearance could be the end. But it seems like Ohio State honestly is behind him. But yeah, the, how quickly the, can that change? The school is behind him. The fan base, not so much, but football season's about to start, and then they're not going to care. That's probably 100% true. And then lastly, I have Greg Gard. Very, very similar. Four or five, the, four of the five years he's made the tournament, he's made one Sweet 16. I just, for me personally, I think Wisconsin's a really good job in the Big Ten, and it's going to be hard to replicate what Bo Ryan did, but if you want to take one more step, like maybe it's an outside hire. Kind of shockingly, after seeing Luke Fickle get hired, and that was something I did not yeah, expect, could it, it be an outside guy? Because Greg Gard was a Bo Ryan guy. So easily could be something of that sort. So I'm not completely against him staying, but it could be something that Wisconsin does want to move on. To the Big 12 here. There's a lot of guys that I think are the guy. So now I did do all 14. Um, Bill Self, self explanatory, two national titles. Scott Drew, national title of Baylor. Yes. Kelvin Sampson, probably the best coach in the country, maybe him and Bill Self. Mm -hmm. So clearly. Jamie Dixon at TCU, I think, is clearly the guy. They were 50 and 79 before he got there. He's made the tournament three times. He won the NIT, if that means anything to you. But they won that NIT and then made the NCAA tournament. He's made TCU basketball kind of relevant, and I think they're going to be good again this year. So I think he's pretty clearly the guy, and he's been there for seven years, and he's done well. Yeah. TJ Otzelberger at Iowa State, tough job. He's made the tournament the last two years with a very, very, very bad roster. Um, this year, 
probably, again, you look at the roster, it's not very good, but am I going to be shocked again that he makes the tournament? And that's also in the Big 12, which is super hard to freaking do. Yes. Um, Maybe controversial here, Bob Huggins at West Virginia. If they didn't fire him after the incident that just occurred, I don't think they're getting rid of him. Like, that was easy to be fired. And he's gotten the team back to relevancy. They made the tournament again. And before that, his track record is unmatched. He's has the Final Four. I lean more that is it time to have that talk. See, I disagree. I think Bob Huggins is a hell of a basketball coach. No, I think so, but it's just... I don't know. Like, he's gotten them far. I don't know where West Virginia would go from him. I just... Is Press Virginia... Is it time for Press Virginia to go away? Well, it doesn't really... The problem is, is I think he needs to either embrace that or just completely go away from it because they run a variation of it mm-hmm. nowadays in like the more spread-out basketball system and just the way the game's played. Either got to kind of go in all in or all out. He's hit the portal really well. The team should be very good this year. And really, like, kind of alluding off of what you said, like how much better is West Virginia really going to get than him? And no matter what we think or you think, they didn't fire him over what just happened. And if they didn't fire him over that, he's basically, the job's on his terms. Yeah, I guess you're right. I don't really know. That was This year will be... Very important. For me, that was the biggest key, is the fact they did not fire him. Yeah, I get this what year. you're saying. And like clearly they think there's a guy. Um, Mark Pope from BYU is the last one. He's made the tournament two of the three two of the last three years, and I think that twenty twenty team could have won the national title. I really do. I think they would have been probably one of my three picks to win the national championship and they would have been a four seed. People kind of forget that COVID year. They beat Gonzaga twice, who was going to be a one seed. Mm-hmm. Like that BYU team was loaded. And I think he'll do just fine in the Big 12. Some too soon guys, your boy Jerome Tang. I think it's a right little guy. too. Right guy. I lean very heavily towards the right guy. But, but I want to see what you do without Marquise Noel and Keontae Johnson. Valid. Because this roster this year stinks. Valid. But also, last year's roster had nothing and he turned it into a. Well, we also didn't think Keontae Johnson was just going to be Keontae Johnson. Valid. So. But also, it it also takes a lot of cojones to put the fate of your team in somebody with the size of Marquise Noel and just say, go win the fucking game. And he did. And I think, I 100% think next year if we do this, um, or two years from now, just to get a little bit of a gap here, we will be 100% saying Jerome Tang's a guy. But I do want to see that what happens post-Noel and Keontae Johnson. Um, Porter Moser at Oklahoma, kind of disappointing first year, but I do think he's a really good coach. He keeps them very stingy. Like I know they took a lot of losses in the Big 12, but there were a lot of games that they were fighting some teams, pulled off some upsets. It's just... I don't know. It, it 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 feels like it's kind of hard to recruit football or basketball players to Oklahoma. I don't know what it is, but I I mean we loved him at Loyola, so we root for him. But I mean they beat the piss out of Alabama. They did. Like and that was a 
beat down. That was what scared me the most, like about Bama, and then oh, it was I, I I don't know what the hell that game was. He's got some guys coming in. I think they can compete in the Big Twelve. I don't know about winning it, but uh, Grant McCaslin, Texas Tech, love them at North Texas, but. Let's see what you can do in the Big 12, because if you want some nasty, ugly, slow basketball, watch Texas Tech next year, because it's going to be a 50-50 to game every time. Uh, I'm going to hate it. Yeah, they are slow, but they are nasty, and they can defend. Imagine Tennessee, but slower. And probably more aggressive. Oh, God, it's Virginia. It might be worse. (laughs) It honestly might. And then Rodney Terry at Texas, and I honestly lean towards probably not the guy. Like Aww. he was a t- he was not good at UTEP when he was a head coach. I know the guys loved him and they rallied around him, but Rice is gone, Timmy Allen's gone. Like a lot of those guys are out of here now, and now you have to do your own Wait, recruiting, he's too and your own soon coaching category, right? Too soon, but I lean towards n- probably not going to be in a big guy. I need to see what happens yeah. just because of the. There's something to a team buying into a guy. Yeah, but a lot of these guys next year no, are not no, like know. his guy. Like Aismith and Caden Shedrick, they don't know. But, uh, but in their defense, he got them to come there. Valid. So I'm going to lean towards he's probably not. I, I mean, you couldn't win in Conference USA. Like, how are you going to win the Big Ten or the Big 12? But wish him all the best. No, he's only got one year in the Big 12. <laughs> that is true. And it's, um, time to have that talk. Mike Boyd in Oklahoma State. He's made the tournament one time in six years. He was there for the K team. The K team that wasn't eligible, or he was there. That was the one team that made it. The year before that, they weren't eligible to make the tournament mm-hmm. because of some sanctions. I know Oklahoma State's probably not a prohibitive job in the Big Twelve, but one out of six years, like it's kind of tough. Like I honestly think if he doesn't make it this year, he's probably out, and the roster is bad, and they're probably going to finish second to last besides the next team, which is Johnny Dawkins at UCF. He was terrible at Stanford. He made the tournament one out of eight years. Comes UCF, got him there against the – lost a heartbreaker to that Duke-Zion team. But this is this is the big boys. I don't really know if he's really going to be able to make it in the Big 12. And then lastly, I have Wes Miller. Like, he's only been there two years at Cincinnati. He's got nothing to show for it, but the guy can coach. He's brought a bunch of transfers in. He was super, super successful at UNC Greensboro. I think in the long term, he will be fine. I didn't want to put him in the too soon because he has coached a couple seasons, but I just kind of put him in his own little category. I think he'll be very successful at Cincinnati. But they're also jumping to the Big 12, which is obviously tougher competition. So kind of left him in his own little category there. To the Big East, the too soon guys, I have Shaheem, Law, Shaheem Holloway at Seton Hall. Obviously made the Elite Eight run at St. Peter's, but not a lot to – last season was very iffy. And then Kyle Neptune at Villanova. He's bringing in a shit ton of transfers, has a very hard job following Jay Wright, and I think he'll probably end up being a pretty good guy, and a pretty good coach. But the reason he was hired basically was because he got Fordham to be competent. Well, the guy that replaced him took him to another level, and they were like the – third seed in the A-10, maybe the fourth seed, so it kind of erased all that. So we will see. Um, kind of have some weird subcategories here. Too soon, but he's probably the guy, and that is Ed Cooley at Georgetown and Rick Pitino at St. John's. Yes. Like, I don't think they're going to be bad at all. No. 
It might not be. I think St. John's 100% makes the tournament this year. Georgetown, probably not. But in the long run, these guys are the guy. Yeah, uh, Cooley's trying to do work in the portal. Because, honestly, that roster was just flat out not good. Terrible. Terrible. So, yeah, it's it might take... It, Cooley's turnaround might not be more rapid, but I think he's the right guy. Patino, obviously... If you listen to this podcast, you know how we feel. Yeah. They're too good of coaches to put in the too soon category. They're going to be successful. And then too soon, but probably not the guy, is Kim English at Providence, the guy they hired behind him. Um, No clue why Providence hired him. He was at George Mason and underachieved his preseason Kempom rating by like 20 to 25 points, like all three seasons. They were very talented and just underperformed every year, and somehow he fell his way into a power six job. Um Luckily for him, uh, Devin Carter and Bryce Hopkins are back this year. So the first year might not be bad, but I am very, very, very skeptical of this long-term success. This is probably the worst hire, in my opinion, of the offseason at all of college basketball. There is four guys that are clearly the guy at their school. Dan Hurley, just won a national <laughs> title. Yep. Argue it. Shaka <laughs> uh, Smart and Marquette. No. Won the Big East tournament. Not arguing. Won the Big East regular season. He's a hell of a coach. He's perfect for that, not like a giant job, but a decent size job, and he's going to make them grit and grind, and they're going to be successful. Probably going to be preseason top five team. And a school that loves their basketball. How do you argue Sean Miller at Xavier? Like, it's his first year there, but he already had prior success at Xavier. Yeah, and, I mean, how far did they make it? Sweet 16. Yeah, in year one. Like, kind of year one. Yeah, I mean, that was... Didn't they win the NIT last year? Or no, they made a run in the NIT. They might have won the NIT. No. I don't remember, but... No, they, they made did the title. win the NIT. They, but they let go of the coach. The coach went to Georgia State. Odom. Yes. And then the whole roster, basically... Or the majority of the roster came back. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, that's... But, but also, there's something to taking a team from... NIT to a sweet 16. Yeah, 100%. And you were a three seed in the, probably the second best conference in basketball. And I don't want to hear, like, because at one point I was thinking, like, well, is he because, like, because I do think Xavier's a really good basketball job. And I'm like, oh, wait, Sean Miller was the reason they were considered a good basketball uh, job. It's that motto. But Sean Miller took it to new heights. But Mata got it started. He did get it started, but he's the one that took him to the next level. But he learned under Mata. But Sean Miller got them he, to the Big but East. Mata was first. Well, we'll get to him. Um, and then Gray McDermott at Creighton. You're not getting any better than that. He just took you to Elite Eight. He's got a loaded roster. He's a hell of a basketball coach. Yes. Um, not the guy. Thad Mata at Butler. The game's <laughs> passed him up. 1,000%. That was that roster was not that bad, and you were what was the I can't remember the record was fourteen and eighteen. That one I just don't see lasting long term. He doesn't he also like struggle with like he gets his like super bad migraines and his no, health is really tough. Uh, no, it was more his I, if I remember correctly his feet. or like his legs or something like that. Like he couldn't stand for long periods of time but for some reason like his like his chair like i guess it kind of affected something. everything 
I yeah, it, I can't fully remember, but yeah, it's it's not head, but yeah, it's just he has some health issues, but he had taken so much time off that it got it, a little it better. Seems, it's, you know what it really was though, in my opinion, it was hey, I work as I don't think he was the AD, he was like the basketball operations at Butler and nobody wanted that job cuz why would you want that job? Yeah. And so he took it. Mm-hmm. and I just – I don't think it's good. You know who failed them was the athletic director that got them to the Big East. You're not a Big East school. You had – got him like – like his name. The the Celtic guy. Oh, Brad, Brad Stevens. Stevens. Yeah, like you had him for two years with a talented roster. You're not a Big East school. You're not going to be a Big East school. Nobody dreams of playing in the Big East and going to Butler. You shouldn't have went there. You're going to be DePaul. You need to just throw the bag at – brad stevens like come back come back yeah so it's not entirely his fault but i i just think the game might have passed him up a little bit and then tony stubblefield or DePaul, maybe i don't know it's DePaul. It's, yeah it's DePaul. they've had two they've had two winning seasons since 2000 i don't know why they're that bad granted they almost but wait did they beat uconn i think they did beat uconn oh god i think they might have beat uconn they beat the national champion hang the banner they should. I don't know if they end up doing that or not, but or or, or maybe they. It was a close game at some point. Was, I know that because I know the spread was like twenty two, and I was sitting on UConn. Like, there's no way they don't cover this. Yeah, they almost lose the game. Yeah, I don't know. You're in Chicago. Like, how are you not? Yeah, Chicago is like a hotbed when it comes to college basketball recruits. They just don't get them. Yeah, I I don't know enough about like the the money coming in or anything like that. So I'm not going to speak. Maybe he's, maybe the Paul fans are fine with it. Just be frisky a couple times a year. Yeah. They're more, and Chicago's more loyal fans. Honestly, probably are. And then the majority are just Illinois fans. Pac-12. I only got two guys for the guy. Ooh. And that is Mick Crone at UCLA and Tommy Lloyd at Arizona. I think not going to argue pretty easy that. to argue um, or pretty easy not to argue that. Tommy Lloyd obviously lost to a 15 seed this year, but I mean the team just keeps getting better and better. Uh-huh. Ran into a tough matchup, so be it. Um, got the this one has got the guy, but and that is Andy Enfield of USC. Hmm. I think he is the guy, but it, it again it is USC, and I think you probably could do better. Like I think that's a pretty nice job to live in Southern California. Valid, like if if you get, the, I mean, they I, this year. Oh yeah. With I forgot what's the recruit's name. Uh, Collier. Yeah, That's Collier, Bronny. You're bringing in Dennis Rodman's son. Boogie Ellis is back. Exactly. Your best like, player. You like. It's either boom or bust this season. Yeah. Same goes with Dana Altman at Oregon, who's made a Final Four. And I do think he's a good basketball coach. The last two years have been very concerning. Uh, what can you do when they've not done much since post Peyton Pritchard? Like yeah. Oregon's a pretty good job. Mm-hmm. I think you could get, maybe get somebody better, but at the end of the day, he's probably is still the guy. Only one guy for too soon. That's Mark Madsen, a cow, uh, very successful at Utah Valley. Um, brought Amac in, brought Tyson in from Texas Tech. I think they're probably going to be decent. This year and Cal being relevant, I think is a good like if you're making Cal relevant, you're probably a good coach. Yes. Um only two guys at the time I have a talk. 
And the first one's Bobby Hurley at Arizona State. He's made the tournament three out of seven years. But he's got championship blood. Yes. <laughs> he's also won his own two championships. Valid, yeah. As yeah. a player at Duke. Um, yeah, made the tournament three out of seven years. Always had Maybe a talent. Dan just got the coaching ability. He, he got the playing ability. Yeah, he was <laughs> clearly better at Duke, and uh, Danny wasn't that. He was a, like a role player at Seton Hall. Um, I don't know. They've always been very good and had very good rosters, but only made the tournament three times. And honestly, without a like a three-force court shot, the season probably could have went the other direction. Hey, I'm just again. saying that was awesome. The that and it was next day. I placed the future on them to make the tournament, and they ended up doing it. Now I'm gonna go with Tad Boyle of Colorado. His first five seasons, he made the tournament four times, but he's only made one of the last seven. Now, this team this year is going to have expectations. Cody Williams comes in, top five recruit. Um, Simpson's coming back and Tristan De Silva is also coming back and they got names going to escape me um, it's Eddie Lampkin from TCU so he's going to have super high expectations they're going to have to be good this year in order for him to keep the job probably um, this category is just good coaches I don't care what you say uh, Kyle Smith of Washington State um, he's overperformed with every single team he's had Washington State is one of the hardest jobs in the Pac-12 to win with, and it just seems every every year they just overachieve from their Ken Palm ranking by I think like twenty some odd points, and it sucks. Muhammad Guy is not coming back this year, but I, he will again have the team probably twenty to twenty five points higher than their former Ken Palm rating, and then uh, Craig Smith from Utah. He made the tournament all three years at Utah State. He's forty-eight and twenty-one. His last two seat, or he was forty-eight and twenty-one in South Dakota. The Duke can coach. Just give him time. Um, didn't want to put him the too soon because I just know he's a good coach, and I think Utah would be better for it. I'll um, take your word for it. And then not that guy. These ones to me are pretty easy. Jared Haas, Stanford. He's been there seven years. Hasn't made the tournament. Jesus. Why are we holding on? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Like, I know Stanford's a tough I job. I forgot how long he had been there. But do you know, dude, I don't know if you remember, from like 2008 to like 90, 1998, they made the tournament like every year. Like every single year. Things haven't been the same since the Lopez twins were there. Yeah, and that was like kind of in their heyday. It's been seven years. I feel like if you're a Power 6 school and you haven't made the tournament in seven years and your name's not Northwestern or DePaul... You get the get rid of the guy. Get somebody else in there and just. See if you can strike I mean, like like we said though, could just be the academics, man. Yeah, I mean it's it's probably this job's honestly harder than normal. Um, Wayne Tinkle at Oregon State made the tournament two times in his eight years there, but does that Elite Eight in twenty twenty one? Like how 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 long can you hold on to that Elite Eight? Because the last two years after that, they finished in the 200s in Ken Palm as a Power 6 school. That's it, That's not good. I feel like if there's another po- like higher than 150 rating, he's gone. But can you hold on to that late A forever? No. No. Um, and then Mike Hawkins at Washington. I think Washington's a good job. I really do. I think that's a good job in football, and I think it's a good job in basketball. Washington basketball has been Purple successful rain. forever. Yeah, 
and he's made the tournament one time in six years. And I mean, they've had them those teams like that. Bolts team was fun. I, oh wait, Isaiah was before his time, but Isaiah Thomas like they've had some good teams. Yeah, and I'm trying to think. There's two guys in the NBA that were like the two front court guys that were top ten recruits, and I don't even think he got him to the tournament that year. Um, to the SEC, I actually have five dudes that I think are the guy. Bruce Pearl at Auburn. That's a hard job, and he's got him to the tournament about every year. He makes he makes a fun team. Same same goes with Buzz Williams. Texas A and M's not an easy job either. I will say he needs to kind of up that non-con schedule where you're going to keep getting seven seeds. If you would have played two tougher teams in the in the non-con this year, you could have got a two or three seed because your team was that good, mm-hmm. and you just didn't do it. Um, Dennis Gates might be premature in Missouri. He's only his first year there, but he's a floor raiser, and I think no matter what, they're going to be middle of the pack at worst in the SEC. And then this one, Eric Musselman, I think that's an easy one. Yeah. They made two Elite Eights, made the second weekend this year, knocked off Kansas, the defending national champions. Pretty simple. Jerry Stackhouse at Vanderbilt. It's Vanderbilt, and he's having them confident. Um... So this category is called Blue Balls, and that's Nate Oates. Going to have a super good regular season and then just disappoint the hell out of you in the postseason. Yeah, I mean, makes sense. I mean, overall number one seed, and yeah, you don't, like, Brandon Miller's probably going to be third pick in the draft. Could be number two. So, going to be the first player taking... Taken in the uh, first college player taken in the NBA draft, and you did that last season. I mean, I'm just starting to wonder if this all threes layup style of basketball, like kind of, it's kind of like an NBA model. My other issue is just like his whole handling of the Brandon Miller situation from last year. Like that also kind of rubbed people. The wrong way a lot. Um, yeah, I just, I mean. Hell of a recruiter. He works the portal very well. But, man, I know the team he lost to went to the national title game, but you are. Like, he's producing NBA talent. Like, other than just Miller, like, they have had NBA players on that roster. and. Well, I mean, he had, I mean, he coached Caleb and Cody Martin as well. Oh, yeah. Like, and he has Colin Sexton in the NBA. Like he's had a ton of talent, and he just hasn't done anything with it. I do think he's the right guy for the job, but and also at the same time, like I'm not in the state of Alabama. Do they? How much do they really care about Alabama basketball? Like well, I know once Alabama football starts losing. Yeah, yeah, but like because because on the flip side, Arkansas fans, Arkansas basketball fans are legit. Like they, I think live, Arkan- I I think they're. They might be end up being a basketball school than a football school. I well, here's the thing: they love their football. I'd have to say it's like close to like fifty five, forty five. But I think it's basketball because Musselman's just fucking produced, and he's fun. He is. He's a fun coach. You could say he, he's quirky for the taking the shirt off, but the guys rally around that one hundred percent. The guys that are too soon, Chris Beard, Ole Miss. I think will be amazing. I really do. He's a he's. How long do you think? I think he they have two really good years and he gets a better job. That'd be my guess. I'm almost half tempted to say it's just well, no, you have to like They'd have school. to really. 
you have to let things cool down a little bit. I yeah, think. but I think I think every school that fired their coach was like, man, I really want to hire Chris Beard, but there's this one little thing, and then Ole Miss is like, was... don't care, bring him in. He's well, a good coach. Of course, coach. it's Ole Miss. They yeah. don't really care about morals. No. Um, yeah, because even I thought about, like I told you, like, what about Ohio State Chris Beard? Yeah. And you're like, don't. <laughs> I'm telling you right now, though, I get rid of Chris Holman. Like, Chris Beard, I don't think he's really, that's kind of the job he would take. But, like, that's an upgrade of a job. Like, I think he would love it. I just feel like when it, when Ohio State makes a hire, they do it more, like, lower level play, or lower level dude that they, that's local-ish. Could be John Deebler or Greg Oden. If they want to do, I want, if, I want or him. Evan Turner, yes. If they do that kind of route, which a lot of teams are kind of doing now. Um, Todd Golden at Florida, he was super good at San Francisco. I think it, in the long run, is probably going to be a good hire, but not there yet. Uh, Chris Jans at Mississippi State, I think a beautiful hire. Yeah. He just fits that mold of like the tough Mississippi State team. Would love for him to bring some shooters in. It was kind of tough to watch some of their games. Yeah, it was. Well, I mean, we were so used to seeing him at New Mexico State with Teddy Allen, where it's just give Teddy the ball, let him score. Which I don't think is the worst idea for him at Mississippi State and mold his team around it. Because, yes, Tulo Smith is back. He's coming back for his fifth year. Problem is, he's a he's a front court guy. Like, you can't just – you can't really do that with a postman. But I think he's a very good basketball coach, and I think Mississippi State should be very thankful they got him. And then Mac McMahon from LSU, tough first year. At LSU. Um, problem was, he basically brought a bunch of Ohio Valley guys from Missouri State, or from Murray State, and that's not really going to gel well in the SEC. You're talking about one of the seven worst conferences going to the SEC. Like, no shit, it doesn't work out well. Now, Connor, I wanted to... There's some coaches we haven't talked about. We're going to the time to talk. Okay. John Calipari, U- University of Kentucky. I was prepared for this. <sighs> Hasn't had any postseason success in the last three seasons. Here's the thing. It's like, I'll, talk to me after Oscar leaves. He's left. Oh, yeah, that's right. He did leave. Oh, but you want the season for him, like, to see what the season was like when he's gone. Yeah, like, let me see how they do. Because, like, to an extent, I feel like Oscar... Held them back, but also I think like how much, how much more can you keep riding the the five star freshman? Like how much? I know he's made the changes, but I just I I don't know. I don't know. Well, here's the thing. I think right now John Calipari would get on his knees for to bring Oscar back because his roster for this season consists of. Freshman, 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 sophomore who played um, under three minutes last year. Freshman, sophomore, freshman, sophomore. Okay. It has Antonio Reeves still down as a player here, but there is a ton of rumblings about Antonio Reeves going somewhere else. Like, he he lost out on everything. He decided to put all his eggs in the basket for Oscar Sheetway and not pursue Hunter Dickinson, which ultimately left for Hunter Dickinson going to Kansas, and then he lost out on Oscar Sheetway. And... Forget all that. Forget the last last season. Like, he has really not been successful in the postseason the last four or five years. He's just hanging his hat on that one 
national championship. And what he has been so good at in recruiting is probably going to be a little bit harder now that NIL is so prevalent. It levels the playing field. The other problem is at Kentucky, you could probably get anyone. Oh, yeah. 1,000%. There's any, anybody would take that job outside of guys like John Shire and Bill Self. Kelvin Sampson makes so much sense to me. If they would move on from Cal and just get him and pluck him to go to Kentucky, and he would definitely leave Houston to go to Kentucky. Unless Houston just dropped Honestly, the like, bat. even like Jay Wright would come out of retirement for that. I guy. think he wants to go pro, but I would not hate that either. And if you, I know I had him in the time to talk, but like if Virginia has a couple good years or whatever and they want to take Tony Bennett from Virginia, like I, anybody oh, yeah. would take that job. Yeah. In a heartbeat. Yes. And maybe, and I think this year, I don't know if Kentucky makes the tournament this year, in my opinion. I think they don't. Um, Rick Barnes in Tennessee. I think eventually you just have you just are what you are. Here's the thing though is like you are what you are, but what he was for a while was disappointment in the tournament and then this year we expected disappointment and we didn't get it. No, I mean they made the sweet 16. They obviously probably should have beat FAU. They were the better team. But they we were, blew it. But every if you listen to this podcast, you know that you and me were heavy on oh, yeah. Duke. I was all over them. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing this year. This is probably the most talented team he's ever coached in Tennessee in this next upcoming season, so we'll probably find a lot out. And then Lamont Parrish from South Carolina, only his first year, um, came over from Chattanooga after making the NCAA tournament, but rode the, kind of rode the tails of Malachi Smith a little bit. They had a pretty good roster for them to finish 4-14. Four and 14. I'm not saying they're going to be – Awful, but you did have a top five recruit in Gigi Jackson. You won four games in your own conference. That's tough. I will say, I think Michi Johnson might have a like monster breakout season. He could be like an 18-point-a-game guy, and that might be able to save his job. We'll see. Jury's still out, but I kind of lean towards probably not the guy. And then lastly, I have Mike White, uh, Georgia. He's a four-raiser. I don't really know if he's that good of a coach. He rose the floor a little bit at Florida, but there's going to be a plateau there. So it's basically all depicted of, of what Georgia basketball really cares about. They've made the tournament five times since 2000 for a power six school. It's not very good. So is he the guy? Is he not the guy? I don't know. Cause I don't really think Georgia really cares. I mean, honestly, when you're winning natties in football in the South, why would you care? About yeah. Basketball? basketball being good would just be a bonus. Yeah. It, it, it's almost kind of like how Bama fans probably felt, but now it's like the tide's turning, but also you're kind of like at the same level. It's yeah. like, but. Thousand percent. Um, Connor, um, before we get out of here, just give a program update for, because you kind of have it mapped out a little bit. Next week's going to be the. Next week we will be doing our draft, where we will be drafting the most important people. For this upcoming season, whether that's coaches, coordinators, or a damn mascot. Um, after the week after that, we have the NBA draft. We're gonna do an episode the day before the draft. Picks, picks, picks. We'll have we will definitely have some picks. 
we're hoping that by doing it the day before we don't have uh like crazy changes but if you you we didn't have the podcast going then but man after how last year flipped like it could be exciting after that we'll do a little bit of a draft recap week after that we're going to be do- going on our co- our own separate college football road trip where we're going to basically we're going to talk about the schedule a little bit do it week by week see where you and I are at one to travel to then after that every week up until week 0 we will have a breakdown for each conference and then the next thing you know ladies and gentlemen it football is here yep days of the week for the actual season probably vary a little bit but there's going to be recap and then picks pot so two back to two episodes and, on, and honestly the episodes for the off season right now they're going to fluctuate whether it's tuesday thursday or yeah. whenever we're trying to work through our business most schedule. people kind of do that too when it's a specific sport it's kind of when we need to do it and you kind of like the podcast has become absolute priority over everything when you're recording. Mm-hmm. It's kind of what most people do, but I will officially say this pay, this pains me so much, but we, I know we've mixed in a little bit. College basketball is basically going to be till previous. Like mm-hmm. it, we're, we're getting close. Connor just got me an Athlon magazine. And what was the other one called? Lindy's. And it is time for me to completely dive into the college football world. Start looking at win totals, start looking at futures, conference odds, stuff like that. So, as much as I miss you, college basketball, I will see you in November. And until next week, we are out of here. Peace!